Hello and welcome to the First and Ten Podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Feltz, here in Bloomington, Indiana, and it's time for our first full weekly recap episode. We had a full Saturday slate of football and some Thursday and Friday action as well, plus some out-of-conference Sunday and Monday games. Really, we just had five straight days of college football, and we're finally catching a breather uh, and giving ourselves a chance here to talk about it. It has been a whirlwind of a week and certainly a fun one. Game after game, it's been entertaining. It's been exciting. It's been electric. And here to break it all down with me, Columbus, Ohio. It's Reed Murray. Reed, what's going on? Uh, Patrick, what an unbelievable week of opening or of, of week one football we had. I mean, it it was action after action. One day, you know, we're looking at this Pitt-West Virginia game on Thursday thinking this is going to be game of the week. It's going to be game of the season. Then all of a sudden you have a couple great games Saturday. You have that unbelievable LSU-Florida State game and that finish on, on Sunday. And then Monday we had a couple good quarters. Skipping and, over uh, Friday night's was... thriller in Bloomington, Reed? Oh, right. Well, well yeah. We forget <laughs> about that one. Um, I certainly yeah, couldn't. Was just every... Every time you, you thought that you had seen the best action of the week, the next day there was something even better. Um, what a way to open the season. What a way to open the season indeed. And I think this is the first time in a really long time that we're both going into a recap episode. Victorious Indiana and Ohio State both brought home uh, big time Well, we're, we're unbiased journalists. We're not, we, you know, we didn't win. We won nothing. Yeah, sure. I, I'm sure our audience is familiar. We, right? we won. We won uh, good storylines and good. Uh, All right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> right. Keep telling ourselves. You had that. a good storyline. You had a great story in, in the Daily Hoosier today. Thank you. Yeah, I wrote about Bo Robbins, who was a prospect. I think I talked about on this program like three years ago when he was enrolling as a freshman because he was a super highly highly rated recruit and then didn't do a ton for three years and finally contributed on Friday. So I did write about that. Thank you, Reed. I don't plug my own work on here often enough. Yeah, somebody's got to plug it. You're 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 a humble guy. Um, when sure it comes to your work covering the Hoosiers. <laughs> Someone's got to plug it. Yeah, he was he was a good guy to talk to too. I, I liked uh, writing that story about Bo and, and talking to him, talking to Tom Allen about uh, what all he's done in his time here at Bloomington. So uh, enough on that. Let's get into our winners and losers this week. Reed, who is your biggest winner this week in the Big Ten? Uh, winner of the week might be me. Because first of all, um, it was a great game day experience. You know, first first game in the shoe as a student, it was incredible. In addition to OSU winning that game and, you know, getting to see this incredible environment, Nashville SC, what a streak uh, of games they're on. Four straight wins where they score three or more goals. Wow. Um, super happy about that one. So they're unbelievable in. weekend for they me. They are unbelievably. Right, hey, yeah. my soccer team is doing well too. That's seven points in a week for Indy 11. Yeah, but real winner of the week. Um, this one happened. It's not a, a, a super obvious one, but I'm going to say Drew Aller of Penn State. He is the backup quarterback there behind Sean Clifford. And I think he's the real winner when you're thinking of the long term, because if you watch the way Sean Clifford performed in this game, you're thinking this is going to be Drew Aller's time to shine. When Aller was in, I thought he did a good job, especially for a quarterback as young as he is. But it was really more that now he has a great opportunity to step up and do a better job than his starting quarterback is Clifford really did not look good to me. And I think no, he's going to be the winner as, as an individual coming out of this week. His team got the win, put in a shift, and the guy ahead of him did not. So this is a great opportunity for him moving forward. It seems like the narrative shifted so quickly with Sean Clifford in this Purdue Penn State game. You know, he he threw that ugly, ugly interception, and everybody was saying, what, what is Sean Clifford doing? Why is he still out here? It's year six, and he still can't make a play. Like, what what is this guy's deal? And I, I think that was a fair narrative, to be quite honest. He played poorly. Uh, but then after the game, he leads that game-winning drive, admittedly impressive. 
And then suddenly the narrative changes to, wow, Sean Clifford is so clutch. What an experienced, great quarterback for Penn State. He threw four touchdown passes. What an impressive performance by the super-duper senior or whatever his official status is as a six-year. Super-duper senior. I love that. Super-super-senior, super-duper-senior. Uh, he's been around the block is the important part. Um, but I don't think that's a fair narrative shift. I don't think Sean Clifford played well. I, I was really unimpressed no. by him. He made so many mistakes. And, and really, this game, while it was a very exciting game, had no business being as close as it was. And Penn State needed a miracle to win it. They got that miracle, but it shouldn't have taken a miracle to win it. Penn State should have been able to take care of Purdue by two scores, just given the way the two teams played and every other position except Sean Clifford making a ton of mistakes that when Drew Aller came in the game, when Sean Clifford was hurt briefly, he wasn't making those mistakes. He looked like a better quarterback. And I get if you're James Franklin, you have to stick with your starter. You have to stick with your guy. You have to stick with the guy who's been there before and not hand the keys to a true freshman immediately. But I was very impressed by Drew Aller. This is a guy who is going to be a force to be reckoned with in the Big Ten here coming soon. And it wouldn't surprise me in the slightest if within the next month or two, we see Drew Aller starting for Penn State over Sean Clifford. I, I could definitely see that coming. Yeah, definitely. Patrick, who's your winner of the week? All right, my winner of the week is America. We won. All of us across the country in all 50 states, we are winners this week. Aren't we always winners in this great, wonderful, beautiful country of ours? But this week especially, football's back. Football's back in full force. And we got, like I said at the top of the show, we got five straight days of thrilling football. Well, I would say maybe four and a half straight days of thrilling football because we got about a good half out of the Clemson Georgia tech game. If you want to call it a good half, because that game was not good. Just generally speaking, both teams did not impress me one bit. With that being said, I, I was glued to my TV all week long, or unless I was in a stadium, but I, I was glued to a football field from Thursday night to Monday night. And, uh, and it feels good. It, it really does. Isn't that what it's all about at the end of the day? Just, being able to soak in as much college football action all day long for as long as you can. I know on Saturday, my good friend, cousin, Tommy Devine came down here and we set up six screens in my living room and, and watched college football all day long. It, it was truly a sight to behold. We're all winners at the end of the day. If your team won or lost, doesn't matter. The fact that we have football back on TV and we had such a great slate of games, that's the win in my book. And uh, as a fan of the sport and as a fan of, uh, as a fan of America and as a fan of college football, I am happy. I am thrilled. And it is good to be back. So uh, look at you, Mr. Bean, Mr. Sentimental. Oh, we all won. Oh, look at me. We're, <laughs> we're, everybody's a winner. This is what's wrong with America. Everybody gets a particip participation. These days. <laughs> yeah, we, we all showed up and watched football. Everybody wins for turning it to ESPN at noon for the App State UNC game. But um no, we right. It was do. it was a thrilling week of football in every conference. There was something exciting going on. Um, you're definitely right about that. We uh -huh. as Americans and college football fans, you know, whether your team won or lost, you, there probably was at least one game result this weekend that you were happy with, whether it was, mm -hmm. you know, uh, Utah getting upset. You know, if you're a Pac-12 fan who's, you know, competing with Utah or um, just seeing that, hey, maybe Clemson's not as good as you think they were or something. Uh, there's something positive that I think every fan can take away from this weekend. Yeah, I, I agree. And I do, I do want to give another answer here. Um, people forget another, another winner this week, Indiana fans, because the Hoosiers won a conference game for the first time since December 5th, 2020, which was a road win in Madison against Wisconsin. And 
By the way, the only two Big Ten teams who lost this weekend were Illinois, a rival of Indiana, who the Hoosiers played, and also Purdue, who, of course, is Indiana's big rival. So uh, a, a big weekend to be a Hoosier and a terrible weekend to uh, to be one of Indiana's biggest haters. It, it must have been rough. I, I certainly can't imagine. They must, they must have really, truly been going through it. But I think my big, serious answer for a loser this week uh, is Cade McNamara, the Michigan quarterback who number one, I think is a loser in and of itself, just by being in a quarterback competition. <laughs> no, I'm not trying to say he's a loser. This is not a personal attack on Cade McNamara, but I think he's in no, a losing situation. That's hilarious. He is a loser. <laughs> <laughs> the, deliver- the, the wording is hilarious. Though. I'm sorry. <laughs> this is uh, no context. It I just like think a- this guy's a loser. <laughs> <laughs> no context. It sounds like I'm dragging this guy through the mud. I'm not trying to. I, I think... In fact, I think he's being a little bit, you know, given the short end of the stick. I'm looking out for you, Cade. Uh, by being in a quarterback battle at all after leading your team to the college football playoff, I, I think is a losing situation. Like, that is kind of unreal to me to even think about. But uh, but he's in it, and uh, I, I think he got kind of a tough draw because not only did he not impress me in the slightest c- compared to J.J. McCarthy – uh, and the snaps that both of them took in this Michigan Colorado State game, and I'm not even sure what we can learn about somebody by seeing them play against Colorado State, but uh, you know, he didn't make much of an impression on me. And uh, I don't know if he got the opportunities to. It, it didn't look like things were clicking right. And next week against Hawaii, who looks like they might be the worst team in the country, they they look terrible through two weeks. This team is just awful. I think JJ McCarthy is going to light him up. And uh, maybe if McCarthy started this week and next week, we, we got to see McNamara as the starter. Maybe it would have lined up differently. Maybe it's just uh, drawing the short end of the stick, but I think that situation is definitely playing in McCarthy's favor and, and not playing into the favor of Cade McNamara. And we also did see some like cryptic social media posting uh, by JJ. McCarthy. Oh my God. Yeah. The McCarthy. Yeah. He's what are we doing? He's here? always his Instagram stories and his comments. He's, he's always, Looks like he's trying to send some subliminal messages. I don't like that. And that that rubs me the wrong. Yeah, that, I, mean, that, that, I, I, I don't want to. I don't want to make accusations, but that does not seem like the behavior of somebody who is a good teammate. I don't think good teammates right. like. And, to... and I'll be fair to JJ here. Uh-huh. There are certain posts that I see that people screenshot from his Instagram and post on Twitter that I think people are, are reaching a little bit for. I think so. However, I, I think it could be taken out of context. I see that, but there are some, the there quarterback are some posts of... and comments I see that are. I think shots at either the situation or at mm-hmm. Kate or something, you know, sometimes people are reaching, but sometimes I think there's a little bit of merit to, um, you know, what people say about McCarthy's um, maturity, subtle, or maybe not so subtle messaging on social media. It's, it's immature. I feel bad it's, for McNamara there. I, I yeah. do. No, I feel He's bad for Kate too. You know? He doesn't deserve that. It's, it's teammate, man. If, if he really does mean what he means with these subliminal Instagram posts that, that McCarthy's had, uh, it's immature, number one. And number two, it, it's not good for a locker room. And that worries me a little bit about Michigan. And I, I don't trust, you know, so I don't trust. And I mean, if you're Harbaugh, you got to say to your player, what yes. the hell are you doing? Uh-huh. You know, if, and if you're not just Harbaugh, message if you're, out into the world. If you're the communications director for the program, like you can't, I don't think you should allow that to happen. I mean, you can't tell somebody what to post and not to post, but that's bad PR. You kind it's, of can though. You kind I, I of guess you can, can, yeah, but it's just not a good look for anybody involved. It screams trouble in paradise. And I think they need to get that under control because, you know, listen, I'm not in that locker room. I don't know what the situation is. I can't comment too far, 
but from a distance and seeing what we see on social media, it doesn't look like a healthy quarterback room. And, uh, and I don't know what that, that means for Michigan going forward, but uh, certainly that, that situation just kind of existing is a bit of a loss. So, so that's one of my losers this week. So, so Reed, what, what is your loser? Loser of the week. I'm going to go ahead and say Iowa fans or students with either friends who don't really watch football or friends who think pro football is better than college, because imagine <laughs> Picture for a second, you're an Iowa student um, or just, you know, a guy who likes Iowa football. And, you know, you're talking to your friends. You said, oh, let's go watch the Iowa game. Oh, it'll be a great time. You're trying to sell them on college football. You're trying to say, oh, you know, this is such a fun thing to do. College football so exciting, you know, all this. And then your team goes out and wins seven to three against an FCS opponent. And in addition to that, you, you watch four quarters of football where not a single touchdown is scored. That's that's got to be terrible because then, first of all, your friends are never watching football with you again. Second of all, you now you look like an idiot to your friends. Uh, you know, I feel bad for these people because I'm always trying to spread the good word about college football and football in general to my friends. I went to a high school that really did not have many sports fans. I was kind of as weird as it may sound. I was kind of the weirdo for watching college football. All that's that's that um, terrifies me. That's a bizarre universe that I don't want to live in. It, it was a bizarre universe. Yeah, for four years it was. How does it feel to be like in, living in bizarre? At, you world. know football state university now comparatively oh it's awesome yeah (laughs) everybody i know is like at the shoe on saturday it's great but um you know i feel for the i feel for any of these hypothetical people that you know this is definitely somebody's reality i don't know how many people's reality is but it is somebody's (laughs) reality i have lived that life before and you know i hate to see so that's that's what i do with soccer all the time i'm trying to tell people oh soccer is exciting whatever and whenever i show somebody their first soccer game of course it ends up being a nil nil draw nil nil like this is kind of stuff (laughs) yeah this this is kind of the football equivalent of that you're trying to sell your friends on college football and they see seven to three with the seven being a field goal two safeties i'm sorry (laughs) to all the iowa fans who who may be living in this reality i feel for you reed zigging i am zagging here my game of the week is Iowa versus South Dakota State. <laughs> this is not a game of the week in the sense of, wow, what a tremendous game of football. But this is a game of the week in the sense of this was performance art. This was not a football game we watched. This was a statement. This was Iowa imposing their brand of football on the viewing public. I don't know what the viewership numbers were for this game, uh, but they were too low because this wasn't just an address uh, to America of what Iowa football is. It was an address to America of what the sport of football can be. It was a warning. It was a disastrous cry uh, for people trying to make a mockery of our beautiful game because uh, to to Kirk Ferentz, this is a, this is not, this is not a game. This is a sick joke to Kirk Ferentz. This this (laughs) is not football. This is, this is, I don't know what it is, but, uh, but it's disgusting. And, And it was, an artistic statement of uh, of what he believes in. What he believes in is a truly messed up version of this sport in which offense does not exist and you can go win seven to three with a field goal and a billion punts and two safeties and the worst quarterback play I may have ever seen ever by Spencer Petras. Just straight up terrible. He, he was awful and there's no sugarcoating it. He had a 1.1 QBR, one point one and Kirk Ferentz was fine with it and Brian Ferentz was fine with it this is what they believe in they believe in winning by any means necessary and I guess there's a certain beauty in that you play to win the game right uh but there's a difference between 
winning a football game and playing winning football. And they did not play winning football. They played losing football. They played scared football. They played disgusting football. And uh, it truly made me sick to watch it. But like a car crash, I couldn't look away. I just had to keep watching. And I did. And I was entertained. But at what cost, Reed? I don't know what the cost was. Well, I, I think this game is – I'm glad that this game happened because it needs to be preserved for future generations as a – textbook example of how not to play the game how not to coach the game and even if you win sometimes the real loser is you let me remind you when you when you talk about spencer petrus that he is the new he's the next john elway you remember that video when he was uh, a recruit coming to iowa welcome spencer petrus the next john elway i do i found that YouTube thumbnail and I was, that's, you know, I'm going to go back. I'm going to Google that. We're going to, we're going to put that on our social media channels uh-huh. um, when, when we publish a post about this episode. <laughs> I remember finding uh, that because this was what, I right? mean, what a take in between the 2020 season being canceled and revived. Uh, I remember I, me and Reed were kind of out of stuff to do. And we said, you know what we need to do? Let's go watch tape on all the new quarterbacks. And so he watched a bunch of Graham Mertz tape, which is cool and fun and exciting. Graham Mertz high school tape, that is, not Graham Mertz college tape. He hadn't played a snap of college. Well, he played like one game of college football. He hadn't played meaningful college football at that point. Spencer Petras high school tape is what I had to watch uh, for, for this assignment. I I was out of words. I I, I found this video, Spencer Petras, the next John Elway, and I was like, really? What are, what are I, we doing I here? Right here on, I have it right here on YouTube. I, I just found it. It still exists. Uh, this is going to get blasted on the first one. On at first and one G and every social media platform. We Wonderful. Have yeah. But I, I do remember finding that video and I was intrigued. Like, okay, Spencer Petrus, John Elway, is Iowa going to have a quarterback this now? This is the YouTube title. This is the title on YouTube. Meet the future of Iowa football. <laughs> it's a bleak oh, future. man. That's a bleak future. And maybe, you know what? He it's was right. incredibly Iowa-esque though. It, it was accurate. He he is the future. He's the president of Iowa football, the future back then. Um, And the present is bleak this is a bleak reality we live in it's it's uh it's truly saddening but uh you know i i clicked on that video expecting to see this guy just lighting it up running all over the place gunslinging john elway football and it's just check down check down check down check down check down interception (laughs) incompletion interception incompletion i mean if you're iowa how do you continue to start this guy at quarterback how do you do it how do how do you just rationalize this in your mind What, what do you even do I don't know. I don't know. Uh, you know what? They might. Uh, <laughs> they might. They might win the ugliest seven and five season you've ever seen. I think that's my prediction. Oh, they absolutely will. That, that was. That was my prediction preseason. I believe I had them at seven and five. But not even I'm just a that. straight seven and five. I think this is going. Not even just an ugly seven and five like we usually see from Iowa. Ugliest seven and five ever. I'll tell you right now, they're beating Iowa State this week. I agree. They are Iowa, absolutely going to win the ugliest sci hockey. Iowa State, bottle that every single year. I'm, I'm taking Iowa, absolutely. And Iowa State's also just, I think, not that good this year, to, in addition. Yeah, give, give me Iowa 11 to 6. <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> Our, uh, so, so we're going what? Is that going to be field goal and uh, four safeties for Iowa and then three safeties for Iowa State? Uh, I'll take two field goals for Iowa State and. Uh, Two field goals and 
or no, three field goals and a safety for Iowa. So the safety battle, I think, could be won by Iowa State. Spencer Petrus might run out of his own end zone, Dan Orlovsky style. You know, you know what they'll, you know what's going to happen in this Iowa State Iowa game is there's going to be, uh, you know, the the one point play um, where you get like a, a safety on the two point conversion. Yes, or yeah, the, that works. The rare one point um, safety. <laughs> you know, one point. There will be a one point safety. That oh man, could you imagine? Um, yeah. Uh, but let's talk about some real good football game of the week for me. Um, and this is sincere, the Penn state Purdue game. And it, on one hand, you know, you could say there was, it was ugly football in some senses and that Penn state, like you said, should have been in more control of this game and should have handled Purdue a little bit better. However, especially for, I mean, it wasn't the, the big 10 kickoff because there was already that Nebraska um, Northwestern game, but it was the week one kickoff of big 10 football, Joel Klatt and Gus Johnson on the TV this was some thrilling action, and it was right after some unbelievably thrilling action in the Pitt-West Virginia backyard brawl game. What an awesome Thursday night this was. Usually, you know, you kind of don't know what you're going to get with the Thursday games, especially when it's unranked teams. And, man, did it pay off this time. Um, it was it was back and forth. You know, we, we thought Purdue had it, and then or we thought Penn State had it, excuse me, then Purdue all of a sudden they're taking the lead. They had the pick six and, and vomiting in the sideline, which honestly – I, I don't want to be the guy who that just funny. thinks fun, but I, it's, it was it was kind of funny, but it's just it's a first of all, it's just disgusting. Yeah, to, to show that on television. But yeah. also, I feel bad for the guy. Like everyone, every college football fan on the internet has seen him vomit. Like that's, you know, I don't want people watching me vomit. Um, I I feel bad for the guy, but uh, it was it was a great game that, you know, there was there was drama at the quarterback position for Penn State. There was just drama in general with it being a down to the wire game. This is the type of game we watch football for. And, you know, as great as Ohio State Notre Dame was um, and as great as some of these other Big Ten games were in terms of just the action and the entertaining product and honestly, and the quality of play, because, you know, you can have entertaining games that are that are ugly. I thought this was a just overall great football game. This is what we love about Big Ten football. Penn State Purdue game of the week. Yeah, this game was thrilling from start to finish. There, there was always a lot of action and a great crowd too at Ross Aid. This place was packed. Oh, yeah, this absolutely. place was on fire. It was a blackout. I got to say, just generally, I was impressed by a lot of the crowds uh, in college football for Me some too. of the teams who were a lot of unranked teams and teams that don't necessarily have incredible crowds. No hate to Purdue. I think their crowd is usually pretty decent. But it's been, it's gotten way general. better over the years. It has, it, they have gotten, yeah. They've shown up and shown but out. Credit to Purdue fans. Generally, across college football, there were a lot of great crowds from places that I wasn't necessarily expecting it. Um, and, you know, it's, it's it's tough on a Thursday night sometimes uh, to get out and get rowdy. But, man, these Purdue fans showed up. And that place in general. Shout out to college football fans. Absolutely. Home, again, home, again, again America's my winner of the week for a reason, Reed. And yeah. uh, that place exploded on that pick six. I, I still – I really have no words for for what we saw there. That that was just an unbelievable you know, I, I thought Purdue had won the game at that point, and uh, evidently they hadn't. But that felt like a a season highlight. Like in my head, I'm, I I thought, okay, this is going to be the the memory that Purdue fans leave the season with. Is this pick six clinching the game? That didn't happen, but uh, it was still a tremendous game of football, and uh, definitely one with a lot of memorable moments. And uh, I'm, I'm glad it was in that Thursday night time slot because uh, it got a chance to shine all by itself for at least the second half when, when Pitt West Virginia wrapped up, which was also a great game of football. So uh, yeah, a couple of, of two opposite ends on the spectrum for our games of the week. Uh, and, and I mean, 
you could have gone a billion different ways with great games. And, and certainly another important one of the Big Ten, we'll get to it. You know the one we're talking about. But across the country, there were some awesome games in the sport. Uh, can we talk about the one from Sunday night real quick? Uh, Florida State LSU. Wow. Let's do it. Drama, stakes, hilarity, chaos. What's not to love? This is why this is the best sport in the world. Reed, I- I'm just going to give you a soapbox. Give me your whole spiel. So in this game, um, first of all, so I was watching this game with a lot of people who live on my floor uh, in my dorm. And then at a certain point later in the game, some of them had left. And then they came back, about half of them had came back, half of them were still gone. So they all came back around the time. It was just after LSU had fumbled the punt. Uh, and then Florida State fumbled it at like the goal line. I was explaining to all of them. I was like, oh my God, you missed this crazy game. Blah, blah, blah. Give them the whole spiel. And then we all saw the ending together. Then more people came back. Then I was out of the room, but I overheard somebody explaining what happened to them. And they left out the entire punt and fumbled all that part. And that just goes to show how incredible of a game this was that, you know, when, when they, there were so many good parts, you know, the, the, the story, there were so many things that in and of itself would be a story. Uh, there, there were just so many notable events that uh, it was it was hard to even to, to even talk about all the notable events. Uh, this was a, a crazy game. Uh, but the main thing I want to talk about in this one is the point after uh, attempt for LSU. So I have seen people on Twitter mostly Twitter, but across various um, channels talking about how LSU should have gone for two. And in particular, I saw this video from coach Jason Brown of last chance. You, his tweet said, holy expletive coaching one one And then he was talking about coaching and how he would have handled the situation better than Brian Kelly. Now, generally I agreed with almost everything he said when it came to the, the blocking scheme and uh, you know, how LSU really, there's no reason Florida State should have been able to block this kick, and they did. However, in the beginning of the video, what he did say was LSU should have gone for two in the first place. Um, I think that's an absurd take to go for two when you are the better football team. I agree. You have all the momentum, and, and there, I think there's an argument to be made that momentum may or may not exist, and you know, having one good play doesn't necessarily lead to the next. But LSU was on the front foot; everything was going for them. The whole place was riled up uh, in favor of LSU. And they're also just at the end of the day, I think a better football team than Florida State. You only ever go for two. And even if you're not a better team than Florida State, I think the only time you go for two in a situation like this where you're down one on the last play of the game is if you are just clearly the worst team, the worst of the two teams, and you are, you know, and you have like a 10% or less chance of winning it over time. I think times where it's appropriate to go for two are um, if anybody remembers the, I want to say 2018 Ohio State Maryland game, Maryland down one point in overtime, they score a touchdown. Uh, they have a chance to go for two to win it or kick the PAT to tie it. They go for two. You either win it here or you don't. This is your chance to win. I agree with that because Maryland was just not uh, as as good of a team as Ohio State. Um, but in this case, I think the teams are at, at very least evenly matched. Going for two, it's just such a hindsight take. You know, they say hindsight is twenty twenty, and that perfectly applies here because – Oh, oh, they should have gone for two because they missed the PAT. How were they going to know that they were going to get the PAT? Uh, that's, a, that's, a unbe- that's an absurd take. Uh, but at the end of the day, all, all that this was, what you really can chalk it up to for LSU is, I, you know, I guess maybe bad blocking in the PAT, but also just absolute chaos, yeah, an unbelievable game. And, uh, you know, I don't want to hear any hindsight blaming of Brian Kelly. And I'm all in on, on laughing at Brian Kelly here. Oh, know, believe me, same. Don't get me wrong. However, uh, <laughs> that's, that's really not the hill we should be dying on. They should have gone for two. What are we doing here? 
what are we doing there, Reed? You're absolutely right about that. Uh, well, and those were some great games this weekend, but I don't know if there was a more important game this weekend uh, than Ohio State and Notre Dame. And Reed, because I've got your notes here, your player of the week comes from this game. Reed, who was your player of the week in the Big Ten? I think I'm spoiling it a little bit, but maybe not. Go for it. My player of the week is Mayan Williams, the backup running back for Ohio State. You know, going into this season, everybody's talking about Travion Henderson, how he's going to be one of the best backs in the country, how he, you know, how he's, you know, oh, if, if, if they don't have Jackson Smith and Jig, if, if JSN's having a bad game, then Travion will just do the job, whatever. You know, everyone's leaving Mayan Williams out of these conversations. And now all of a sudden, Mayan Williams comes in, and he was an absolute monster in that game. Notre Dame, their defense was incredible for 60 minutes, but they did not have an answer for Mayan Williams. And I mean, Henderson, he played pretty well himself, but Mayan Williams was just something else in that game. And, and maybe he just had an amazing game, or maybe this is going to set a trend for the future. And maybe Ohio state is going to be splitting carries between Henderson and Williams, but man, that guy was an absolute tank in this game. When Ohio state needed an answer, Williams was the one picking up the yards, making drives completely on his own. And, you know, there were Stroud struggled a little bit in certain, in certain cases, Williams was the go-to guy in this game. And I, I got to give him player of the week, first of all, just for the great performance, but also, like I said, with the fact that he was never really touted as, as the guy for Ohio state, then he steps up. He's the difference maker. That's, that's huge. And I, he's got to be my player of the week. Uh, my, he's not even my player of the game, but he did have an incredible game. My player of the game for that real quick, just need to mention him. Mike Hall Jr. What a great showing by this guy. I'd never even heard of him before this game, uh, but he bowled out four tackles, two for a loss and one sack. Really impressive coming off the edge and, uh, and feels like that, that kind of force presence in the backfield that the Ohio State's defense has been missing for, I really think, the past two seasons, ever, ever since Chase Young left. So uh, he balled out. Re- really impressive performance by him. But my player of the week, and, and maybe you look at the stat line, you're not going to think it's the most impressive thing you've ever seen, but I, I'll explain it. My player of the week's Connor Bazelak this week, quarterback for Indiana. And, you know, he made – Indiana's offense, he added another element to Indiana's offense that it hadn't seen since Michael Penix Jr. was at full strength in 2020, and that is a deep ball. He was connecting with Cam Camper and DJ Matthews in particular on beautiful long balls. He just had the most gorgeous deep ball uh, I've seen from an Indiana quarterback since Michael Penix was at full strength. And and even then, I, I think the two of them could go toe-to-toe. This guy looked awesome. And, uh, and he, did, he had his moments. He missed a couple throws. He threw an interception, and he was definitely under a ton of pressure. You know, the it won't show up on the stats. Two things with that. Number one, uh, he gets rid of the ball really quickly. He only took one sack. And uh, and that one sack, uh, you know, he probably could have gotten rid of it, but there were probably five or six times he could have been sacked and got rid of the ball. So that, that padded his incompletions and uh, just a couple of missed routes, I think, and not it wasn't all his fault is what I'm trying to communicate here. The stat line doesn't look too efficient, but they had to throw the ball a ton because the run game wasn't working. And, and really that was the plan all, all week long was, was that they weren't going to run the ball at all. But, uh, but he threw it a ton. And uh, when he was on, man, he was on, this was just an element to Indiana that they were missing last season. And had they had a real passing attack or a real offense at all, not even a real offense, but like a competent offense. And this is what I would say the offensive performance was for Indiana, all things considered, was competent because the run game wasn't great. The passing game was very good. I was very impressed, particularly by DJ Matthews at receiver and and Cam Camper as well. I already mentioned that name, but Bazelak was a real field commander, just took charge, made all the throws he needed to make, especially on the last drive of the game, drove down the field, got six. 
Uh, they went 75 yards. He was responsible for 74 of them, 70 passing, seven, four on the ground, and then one handoff on the one-yard line uh, to Sean Shivers that was punched in for the game-winning touchdown. This guy was awesome, and I really think if he can be like this every single week and maybe be a little more efficient because, you know, you expect the run game to be better. You don't think he'll have to throw it quite as much, and you certainly hope the offensive line would be better. That's easier said than done, especially now that Matt Bedford's hurt. But Connor Bazelak was very good, and I think there's a chance that he can contend to be, don't call me crazy, one of the better quarterbacks in the conference, maybe top five, all things considered, by the end of the season. Well, I mean, top five is – honestly not that crazy because it's not like there are five tremendous quarterbacks that's the, the thing is that it's a weak quarterback class in the big 10 right now I, I think he could maybe push for top three if he plays I, like I, that he definitely could push for it yeah yeah i don't know maybe, he was very good to sit down and, and 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 look at some stats look at some film and, and the make stats the stats don't the stats you know, don't tell the story i mean right but i'm saying maybe maybe they'll have to stats. actually sean clifford my, had better stats than it, but sean clifford was not better Right. Yeah. Maybe I'll have to, to look at, at all the, all the, the information and, and make a comprehensive list, but I'll give you know, you I'm this. not really sure where I would put Bazelak right now, but I will say it. Yeah, you're right. It's not crazy to say you could push for one mm-hmm. of those top uh, spots. The, the one stat I will give you that I think really helps contextualize it. This was the most passing yards ever by an Indiana quarterback in their debut since Antoine Randall. Yeah. I saw that one on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Just a really impressive day, especially for his first time under center at IU. Yeah. Um, I think he's a difference maker. I think if he can play like that, that's the difference between Indiana winning four games and Indiana winning six or maybe seven games. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, the quarterback is, is often referred to as the most important position mm-hmm. on the team for a reason. For a reason. Yeah. So, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, so that's all of our official weekly recap stuff. And now because we are a part of the student media pool podcast network and me and Reed are both, I would say integral members of this operation. Uh, We're going to talk some student media poll. We're going to talk about our personal ballots and where we slot in some big 10 teams, the way we see the big 10 teams shaking out here. And really, I think we view the big 10 in similar, similar lights here. I'll I'll just read you uh, number one. I'll I'll give my top five, just the way I see the, the sport shaking out as a whole. And then I'll tell you where I see the big 10 teams. So Got Alabama one, Ohio State two, Georgia three, Michigan four, USC five. And my big 10 teams I've got ranked are Ohio State two, of course, Michigan four, of course. Then it's a bit of a drop off. Minnesota at 18, Wisconsin at 21. And while I'm still not in on them, I've got Michigan State at 25. Now, I wasn't particularly impressed by Michigan State, and uh, I still am not, but they took care of business in a way that a lot of teams that I had in that same zone of them in the 25 to 35 range didn't. And they still do. I I still do like Mel Tucker. I think he's a good coach. I I think there's a lot to believe in here. They've got a pretty favorable opening schedule. They do have to play against the resurgence of Michael Penix in Washington. Beware. I'm I'm warning you now, but, uh, but I, I do like them to maybe win about six at the end of the season. But for now, I think it's a pretty favorable lookout for Michigan State. I think they can get some wins early. I think they're playing good football now. I'm just not confident it will last. For now, I'm pretty confident in it just as it stands. I didn't rank Wisconsin last week. I did rank Wisconsin this week. They they were also kind of on that bubble along with Michigan State. I don't hate Michigan State, but uh, and people think I hate Michigan State this season, but uh, I don't really hate them. I just am not as high on them as everyone else. So, you know, like – 
let's just say for, for reference, I still have Michigan state significantly lower than the average person. I, what did, what were they ranked in, in our poll overall? I think like 13th. Yeah, they were, Michigan they were thir- state was, yeah, they were, they were 13th. 13th. Yeah, they were 13th. I still have them 12 spots lower than everyone else. So I, I am still significantly lower on them that that hasn't changed, but I, I would say they're about 25th. There just aren't a ton of good teams. Not a ton of teams impressed me this weekend. Uh, one that did is Georgia. I'm going to talk about that in a minute, but uh, Wisconsin, I, I think, slots in about 21st. Again, they, they didn't play much competition, but uh, they dominated that competition, and uh, that's more than a lot of teams can say. Minnesota still in that same spot where I had them before. Michigan moved up a little bit, and that's as a result of Utah losing and Notre Dame losing. I still got Ohio State, too. I know a lot of people moved Georgia to two or even one over Ohio State. Georgia did have a very convincing win. Georgia's a lot better than I gave them credit for coming into the season. I thought there were question marks. They answered those questions. Georgia's a real championship contender. But Ohio State won, and their defense looked incredible compared to what we thought it was going to look like. The offense struggled more than what we thought it was going to look like. But I think those two things meet in the middle. And I really only think the offense struggled because, number one, Ryan Day refused to run the ball until the fourth quarter. And number two, Notre Notre Dame's defense is damn good. So I'm not worried about Ohio State. There's no need to sound the alarms. There's no need to say Ohio State's not one of the top three teams in the country. I still think they're second. So, yeah, that's what I see shaking out right now. Reed, uh, what do you think? So my ballot, um, I'll do my top five and then my Big Ten teams, just like you did. So number one, Alabama, of course. Number two, Georgia. Three, Ohio State. Four, Michigan. Five, Baylor. And just for context, the, the full S&P top five is the same as mine, but with Clemson at number five instead of Baylor. Um, and then for the Big Ten teams, I have Ohio State at three, Michigan four, Minnesota 16, Wisconsin 21, and no Michigan State nor Penn State. So I will explain, you know, the Minnesota thing, People are going to see, oh, Minnesota, you know, they just beat New Mexico State, whatever, you know, whatever. They're going to put 16. Um, I had them at 18th preseason, and I think they're really only rising just because other teams had to fall. Um, somebody had to take the 16th spot. And uh, I, I do feel a little bit like I may be making too hot of a take by putting them that high. But um, at the end of the day, that's what I, I, you know, what I believed going into the season was that they were the 18th best team in the country. Some of the teams ahead of them dropped, so they had to rise up. Um and was Wisconsin, just like you, I didn't have them ranked in the preseason. Um, I, like you said, took care of business. That's something that a lot of teams can say this week. So there they are. Um, on Michigan State, I disagree with you on Michigan State. You know, you had them at 25 and you were saying they took care of business. I thought Michigan State looked terrible. I was not impressed by them in the slightest. I wasn't West either, Michigan but, but I think they, they kind of moved up by default for me because I had them like 27th and they won. <laughs> See, if I haven't, of course, I haven't ranked teams beyond the top 25, but I think, you know, if I were to rank teams beyond that, I would have Michigan State. They wouldn't be in my top 30. They probably wouldn't be in my top 35. They would be probably sitting at around 40-ish. I'm going to – If that. I, I was I think I'm absolutely gonna, not impressed at all. I'm giving them a little bit more benefit of the doubt than I had before. Maybe I'm overcorrecting because I was low. I was a lot lower on them last week. I, I might be overcorrecting a little bit. I, I want to see them play against Washington. I really want to see them play against Washington. Oh, absolutely. And, and I, I have that game circled on my calendar with a big fat red marker. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I think I Washington's good. As well. I, th- I think Washington's good, but Washington's only going to go as far as Michael Penix can take him. And, you know, Michael Penix played really, really well. How funny is it, by the way, that even on the first and ten when Michael Penix is even playing the Big Ten, I find a way to make it all about him again. It's it's like the, it's like it never changed. Um, but Michael Penix, you know, they played Kent State and he played well against them. 
I, I still think that's important for him to play well against, a, you know, a, an FBS team and, and show that he can still sling the football. Michigan State's defense doesn't scare me very much. I, I could definitely see Michigan State getting torched in that game if, if Mike is playing well. Yeah, but I'm just, you know, this Western Michigan game, I think there's no reason you should be in a one. It's a similar situation with why I dropped Clemson so much. You should not be in a one-score game against Western Michigan or, in Clemson's case, Georgia Tech in the third quarter. I think that's, you know, I don't think ranked teams do that, or at least not right now. I want to see much more from Michigan State before I can give them a ranking. That's fair. Um, so they're currently outside of my top 25. I think they, um, they might be outside mine next week. I mean, I, I just need to get a feel for it. I, I admittedly, yeah. I didn't also watch a ton of that game. Like I, I had a different game to worry about going on at the same time. So, right. Yeah. Uh, you know, maybe on paper, it's better than it looks to, to, than to the naked eye, but, uh, I don't know. I, I just kind of moved them up by default and, uh, there's, let's be real. We are still much lower than, than the average voter is. So. Yeah. No, I think them being at 13 is, you know, no offense to my, my fellow SP voters. I think that's completely absurd. I think it's preposterous. Um, yeah. I, I think it's utterly yeah. preposterous. This team is, this team is fine. They're fine, but they're not 13th best in the country. They're not better than, yeah. Who, who are they ranked ahead of? They're not better than Utah, not even close. They're not better than NC State. They're not better than Pitt. They're not better than Wisconsin. They're not better than Florida, Kentucky. You know, all these teams. I, I, Wake, Fort, Wake Forest. I, I think 21. they're better than Kentucky. I don't like Kentucky. But they're not better than – they're definitely not better than Utah, who they are ranked ahead of here. That's absurd. Sorry. Yeah. Now, um, so when it comes to the Michigan pick, they were at four last week. They're still at four, you know, did what they needed to do. Ohio State at three. So you and I disagree on this one. It's not something that happens often. Um, and I dislike the rhetoric of, oh, Ohio State beat a top five team and then they dropped. How can that happen? I don't like the rhetoric of seeing – rankings as you know teams rising and dropping because everything is is relative so like let's say right if we're going to put this numerically because i don't really know how else to explain uh what's going on with my mind or like in my mind when i do these rankings let's say ohio state let's say we're in class right ohio state preseason they have a 95 in the class right after this week they still have a 95 georgia preseason has a 91 but georgia has improved their grade now they're at a 97 Ohio State, we I, we still think Ohio State is great. We, you know, I, I still am, am rocking with Ohio State. I think they're a terrific football team, and they're definitely still top three. But it's it's relative. Georgia, I think, has made the case to be better at this current time because while I am extremely skeptical of Oregon, you know, new head coach, new quarterback. Yeah, and, I didn't even uh, rank Oregon. In general, yeah. I didn't rank them this week either. But they still have a lot of talented players on that roster and Georgia absolutely dismantled them in every way you can imagine. I mean, 49 to three, that is just a tail whipping. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, yeah, you're not going to expect Ohio state to, well, I guess I kind of did expect Ohio state to tail up Notre Dame, but um, you know, Georgia just looked better. And the only reason Ohio state's number three is, is because Georgia did so well. Ohio state, I don't think really did anything wrong. Um, so that's why I have Ohio state at three. And I will also say real quick on Ohio state, um, I am a little bit concerned for them just because of the fact that, you know, going into the season, we're saying, you know, oh, it doesn't matter what what defense they're playing or whatever, you know, the passing game is going to find a way to put a ton of points on the board and be electric. And I thought there would be no game in this entire season where Ohio State would score 21 points, but Ohio State scored 21 points. So um, I am a little bit, you know, I, I have to 
go back at a couple comments I made about Ohio State and their offense. Um, and and I and I do think that Notre Dame's defense, has a couple games against... Notre Dame's defense is just legit. It That's is, it is, but but my point that is, is going a... into the season, I was thinking, I was thinking no matter how legit the defense is, Ohio State will find a way to score four times, and they didn't. Um that's 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 my only point. Well, there. Also, Ryan Day um, just did not give Trevion Henderson the ball. That's the other thing. I, I think, and that's also true. I, but I think I'm saying all I think his play Ohio calling State, was off. I think this was the worst game Ryan Day's ever coached as the Ohio State head coach. Worse than the Alabama game. Worse the than the, the day, Ryan Day's still the coach, and he's he's a right. he's still a part of the team, and he's still no, that's fair. Team, worse so. than the Michigan game. This was the this was the worst coach game of football we've seen under Ryan Day at Ohio State. They were they played scared for the entire first half. They only threw the ball and that wasn't working. They never went to the run. And, uh, you know, th- they really played just not, not the brand of football they're used to. They took no risks. And, uh, and that was, I think something that I liked Ryan day a lot for in, uh, in 2019. And he just didn't do that this week, but you know, they won the game. That's what counts. Didn't yeah. Like and I think when you look at the big picture, this is still, you know, Ohio state still, I'm not worried uh, about, I don't want to say I'm worried about Ohio state, yeah. but I, I did not like the brand of football they played. But at the same time, on offense, I didn't like the brand of football they played. On defense, I was floored by how good they looked. Floored. They were awesome. They were I agree. all over the place on defense. And I think the deal on the offense, I think tough. And the offense is going to fix itself too. They're going to. And, and I agree with that. So I think big picture, yeah. if I had to predict what the end of the season is going to look like, I still think come the end of the season, Ohio State will be the two seed playing the Fiesta Bowl. However, right now in this moment of time, we're not, you know, we're not ranking to make predictions for the future like we are in the preseason. We're looking at what is in front of us and what is in front of us is a Georgia team that kicked ass this weekend. And uh, I think they deserve to have a high ranking for that. Yeah, no, I, I get it. I, I think that really could have gone either way. There were even a lot of Georgia one votes this week. I mean, that, that Georgia, I, don't Alabama, I, I wasn't quite bold enough to put Georgia at one. I still think Bama's is the best team in the country, but I get it. There were only about 45 points separating Georgia from Alabama from the top spot. I think it was 47 was the number. Yeah, Georgia got 26 first place votes. They damn near took that top spot. It was definitely closer than I thought it would have been. And uh, yeah, Ohio State only won first place vote. And uh, I'm surprised it was that high, to be honest. Alabama, I think, is just, you know, what is there to say about them? They're Alabama. But definitely going to be uh, an interesting couple of weeks ahead. And I know some some big games across the country that will shake up these rankings. But in the meantime... You can check them out at studentmediapool.com along with all the other Student Media Pool Podcast Network productions. And uh, Reed, anything else before we wrap this thing up? I think I've gotten it all out. I think so too. All right, friends. Follow us on Instagram. Follow us on Twitter. You know where to find us. In the meantime, we will see you later this at week. At First and 1G. At First and 1G. Thank you. Uh, you know where to find us. And we'll see you later this week for a preview. Until next time. Bye.